Hey everyone, I'm Fredo. And I'm Benji. And this is Apes on Tape Podcast. Welcome. Welcome to... Hey there, buddy. Apes on Tape Podcast, the podcast with a guy in a wheelchair and a guy not in a wheelchair. I don't like that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Because I'm just so much more than just not in a wheelchair. Well, I'm so much more than a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah, but it true. does give the audience a very clear indicator of who they're talking to. All right, fair enough. Anyway, what are you grateful for? Uh, I'm grateful for a number of things um, at the moment. Majoritively, my health is in very good form. I've coming out the other side of quite a low health dip. Well, mm. not low, just like just not peaking, and I feel. Feel that I'm I'm coming coming back to peak, which is exciting. Good. You, um, had, you had a hernia. I did have a hernia, and I don't anymore, which is great. And yeah. I also had a, like a stress-related skin condition, which is is waving farewell, which is thrilling, and that's been like over over a year, maybe maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, I'm grateful for that soup that you made yesterday, Ooh. and on top of that, the extra piece of bread you gave to me at the mm. end of the soup. <laughs> I actually wrote it down this morning. Yeah, I did let you have an extra piece of bread. Yeah. But going back to your hernia, it's actually really nice to see you sneeze and mm. not hold your stomach. Yeah, well, like, it's nice to do that. Mm. You know, fart as well, not just yeah. sneeze. It's been like over a year since I have... Well, maybe it hasn't been a year, but like it's been a long time since I've had that hernia. And so now when I sneeze, I'm like, oh, what should I do with my hands? Probably cover your face, mate. There's a global <laughs> pandemic. But, but like... <laughs> Like usually, I've been like sneezing and just like turn around, like bend over double and uh, and uh, yeah. hold my hernia. It's not necessarily painful. I just don't want my insides to come blurting out of my bloody tummy. But it's so funny because I've seen that you, I've seen you do the sort of like you you raise your knee up to sort of like <laughs> yeah yeah like double over yeah, your to abdomen like to barrier like, the Ugh. barrier the abdomen. abdomen. Here it comes, and then it must be like a hard habit to break to be like oh I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, well I'm I mean I'm I'm not. I'm not in a rush to break it because you know it's not fully healed. It's like a, it's a long process. I actually spoke to someone yesterday who was like, um, I saw him at the market, and he 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 actually told me he'd had a hernia. I was like, oh no way! I'm finding loads of people who have had hernias now that mm. I've had one, obviously. And he was like, yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can't do anything for ages. You can't run for six months. I was like, oh, I, I ran this morning. Yeah. He was like, oh, don't do that. I was like, oh shit. Okay, fair enough. <clears throat> so I still need to be a bit careful. Mm. Can't just go like sneezing for fun and pushing my tummy out. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll see. Well, there you go. What are you grateful for? Me, I'm great. You're grateful for you. I'm yeah. Well, I'm grateful that today I caught myself not being grateful, and it was kind of a funny, funny little anecdote. So I got up late and I was a slightly irritated because I was like, oh, I really wanted to get up a bit earlier, and I was in the middle of my morning meditation. You know, trying to achieve inner peace. Huh. Uh, <laughs> every day. Oh, enlightened one. What are we doing today, Pinky? <laughs> Same thing we do every day. <sighs> Try to achieve enlightenment. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, I got a phone call and it was from a delivery driver. And he was saying, oh, I've got a delivery for you. And uh, pour vous, Monsieur Smith. I was like, okay, uh, vous êtes ici? He's like, yeah, I'll come to your house. And immediately I was like, oh, right. So is my French not good enough for you? Not like, oh, thanks for speaking English, mate. (laughs) My French not good enough for you. Uh, And he comes and I was like, okay, I'm expecting a delivery of catheters, which are two large boxes. So that's really cool. Come, turns up and he's got like this small envelope for me. And I was like, oh, uh, and I remember thinking like, mate, you could have left that in the post box. 
Like, you've just disturbed my morning routine mm. for that. And then I got back to my um, morning meditation. And as I was meditating, I was just thinking, what an entitled prick mm. I've just been. Yeah, absolutely. This guy, it's pissing with rain outside. Huh. He's come to my door to deliver something I didn't even know existed yesterday, but I wanted it. I you know, <laughs> saw a picture of it on the internet, clicked a button, and it arrived mm. this morning. And what that thing is, is an audio splitter. Which means we can both wear headphones. We've both got the headphones on now, so we can both hear one another's voices. Yeah, which is kind of nice, actually. So we're, it, yeah, we're. This is the first podcast we're recording where we're both recording headphones. But to go back to this anecdote, feels legit as shit, doesn't it? It does. Supposedly, we're not meant to interrupt each other, but it's not working so far because I just want to hear my own voice. <laughs> it's really, it's weird. Cause hey, what up? <laughs> you normally wear the headphones and now I'm like, I'm getting the headphone experience. Yeah, the headphone experience is great, isn't it? Yeah. But my point is, not only did <clears throat> I get something that I wanted one day later, mm. uh, I didn't have to go to the post box. And the reason I got up late was because I had an adorable cat sleeping mm. on my chest, purring away. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And then, well, like, he's not that fucking adorable, is he? <laughs> well, we'll get to that. But not only that, I had a had a... Luna was in bed with me. I yeah. n- never usually let her on the bed, but she come in about six o'clock, put her head on the bed and was like, Dad, I've had a bad dream. Can I get in for a cuddle? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, come on in. So I've got like two egoless furballs of love on mm. me. And that's the reason I got up late. So I was mm. like, oh, the reason I got up late was because I was having cuddles mm. with two adorable, beautiful, you know, furballs of love. Mm. And then I get up. And this guy who's like, oh, here's that thing you ordered. Well, cheers for interrupting me, pal. You could have left it in the postbox, <laughs> dickhead. And uh, I was just thinking, I just like recognised the fact that I was being such an entitled... A massive knob. Yeah, just, mm. I was, I, I'm being an entitled prick right mm. now. Uh, now let's try and get back to mm. trying to achieve enlightenment. <laughs> and, and I'm like one step closer. Yeah, yeah. Just by acknowledging, yeah, yeah. you know, what yeah. a knob I was. Yeah, yeah, And that's what I'm grateful for. Excellent. Great thing to be grateful for, mm. being a knob. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, recognising it. Because like, there are people who go about life just constantly complaining about stuff. Mm. And they don't realise, whoa, mm. I'm being a knob right now. Mm, yeah, and, yeah. you know, recognising flaws in your own thinking uh, are quite important sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. we can springboard into a conversation. But first, I want to go back to Frank being... You want to go back to Frank, do you? Yeah. Mm, do you know oh. why? Yeah, because he shat all over my bloody room. <laughs> Yeah, he did. But the funny thing was, I really want... Well... So I, basically, I, I woke up this morning and Frank was tapping on the door. He's a very clever cat. He he literally knocks on the door or window when he wants to come in, like, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And he's pretty relentless as well. He's, he's he's tenacious about getting into places. And I was really quite tired this morning. I had a long, long day of work yesterday. And I was just... I had a, you know... A, a good old sleep and I just had this da 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 and I was like oh go go away Frank I don't need to get out of bed to let you in da 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 and I was like oh right okay got out of bed and I let Frank in and Frank was um Frank was in there for a bit and then immediately jumped on the bed and then taps on the window I was like mate I'm trying to sleep just leave me alone and I just fell back to sleep and then, yeah, I woke up later. Frank was still in the room. He was under the bed, actually. Like, I was like, I haven't opened the door. I haven't opened the window. I was like, where is Frank? Maybe did I open the window, open the door, and then fall back asleep and not remember? And I was like, I don't think I did. Must have. He's not here. So I got up and had a look for Frank. And I was like, he was under the bed. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd maybe done a, a couple of morning farts and was like, was like oh, they're not great, are they? 
And the reason I'd got up to look for Frank is because I, I was like, oh, that fart is really bad. That's that's not palatable. I was like, maybe maybe it was Frank. Maybe it was Frank. Where's Frank? And I couldn't find Frank. And then I found Frank. And then, you know, I you know I acclimatised to the smell or got used to it or it went away or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, continued with my morning routine, you know, read a book, <laughs> did yeah. some yoga, did some meditation. And then, you know, left the room. Came back and uh, and then yeah, it wasn't until a bit later that I saw the room from a different perspective, and right there, parked at the foot of my bed, was a <laughs> fucking cat turd. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it wasn't my fart. It was a cat turd. Yeah, that's so funny. Sneaky little Frank left a parking turd. Yeah, I think that's so funny that in the night you were just like, oh, that one is quite pungent. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that one's lingering. Yeah. Man, that is lingering. Yeah, it, and did. Then it did really linger. Yeah. Obviously, because it was a poo, an actual poo in my room. Well, I think that's so funny that you did yoga, you did meditation, mm. all while you're like, oh man, that, that mm. fart really is lingering. Yeah. I don't know if you can if you can visualise because like obviously <laughs> it's not like I live in a mansion and I've got like a vast room. Like it's it's a relatively, you know, it's a, a humbly sized room. It's, it's not very a, modest. It's not like I would be at the other side of the room and not smell it. <laughs> like my head was pretty close to it, but uh, That's I, so my, funny. my nose obviously just acclimatised it and was just like, yeah, we don't need to smell it anymore. Let's just turn the, turn those senses off mm. for now until he's finished putting his head near it. That is funny. To be mm. fair, the nose only detects changes in smell. Mm. That's like when you're on the toilet and you do a big poo mm. and it smells, and then mm. you you're accustomed to it, and mm. then. You know, and then you're like, oh, it doesn't smell that bad. It and doesn't then, uh, smell that bad. Then you leave the room, mm. and then a Sheila goes in there, mm. knock her bloody head off, mate. Mm. Jesus Christ! Actually, Daryl had a funny situation with that. Like he was, he was just starting to date uh, Eleanor. Yeah, this was last year, and um, he had lost his sense of smell because he'd he got COVID, but he oh. wasn't really aware of it. Oh. He, I think he lost his sense of smell for like two two or three weeks, mm. and like he, it was got to the point where he's like, oh. Damn, I'm gonna have to do a poo in in the pretty girl's house. <laughs> oh no, I have to do a poo. So he, like, obviously, do the the immediate automatic response and like, you know, poo flush immediately and you know, as quiet and and mm. as innovative as possible. And uh, and he was like, he pooed and he was like, sweet, it doesn't even smell. Oh, I've <laughs> got away with it. This is great. And then, um, and then it actually came out a few months later. He was like, "Oh yeah, well, I didn't realise because I couldn't smell." So he was like, Does, "Did it stink?" And fortunately, it didn't. But Eleanor did say that she overheard the plop, which you oh. know is equally oh, well, that, equally no, distressing. I think. No, I think it's fine. Really? Okay. Fine. I um, gave myself uh, trapped wind mm. from you know when I, I can't remember. It might, it might have even been Lou, but uh, yeah, you know, the, in the early stages of a relationship, mm. where you're like, "Oh, can't trump in front of her, mm. can't." Let her know that my bum I'm a human. Gas. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I remember leaving and just being like, oh, <laughs> oh, thank God I've been holding that in for hours. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, enough of uh, that guff talk. Mm. Um, <laughs> Let's go back to more bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so what I was saying is, um, you know, earlier on I was ca- caught myself in some thinking that mm. that didn't serve me. Uh, very well and we both listened to a podcast recently which was all about that and it was about what we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago about uh, you know in a sea of information how do you discern Mm. which 
information is uh, is worthy of your time and which one which information you should you should let go of and you read the book I listened to the podcast twice we thought it was really good and we mm. wanted to discuss it uh, the book was called mental immunity mm. can you tell me your thoughts yeah I mean it was it was a fantastic podcast straight away like uh, serendipitously we both listened to it I mean it's not that serendipitous because we both like to listen to Joe Rogan but I yeah because you were like do you know any good podcasts I was like yeah this one I'm listening to no right I was now. already Oh, were you? I was already listening to it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was oh, like, oh, wall, this, yeah. I'm going to listen to this one. I was like, oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I listened to last night. I was like, oh, great. Mm. Um, Andy, yes. Andy Norman. That's correct. Yeah, Joe he's Rogan the, experience. He's the, uh, he's the author of several books that he, he's written. Um, but this is the most recent one, Mental Immunity. And um, yeah, the podcast was essentially like a long advert for the for the book. And uh, and he, he, he definitely uh, told a few anecdotes and, and paraphrased a few a few um excerpts from the from the book in the podcast but yeah the the podcast really got me riled up and really got mm. me quite excited and then I was, before before I'd finished listening to the to the podcast I I bought the book on Audible and was like this is definitely something I want to know um and the way the book is formatted or certainly introduced was like it was a it's almost a self-help book of training training your mind or actually vaccinating your mind is the way he describes it to bad ideas and basically the general thought of the of of the concept of of his book is that the brain is like any other part of the body is subject to to viruses or the mind is subject to viruses yeah he calls and, the mind parasites yeah, yeah exactly and and developing mental immunity is is a necessary part of you know not being an idiot basically mm. or, or not even being dangerous or, or violent and the way he uh the way he he uses puts it into an analogy the, the analogy doesn't he of like the of sort the of mind parasites and then he has mind antibodies and sort of yeah uh ways to deal with he sort of says it as a, an analogy but basically he depicts that uh, a bad idea has all the exact characteristics of a virus. There's no characteristic that isn't viral. Mm. And a bad idea gets into your head. It's easily infected into mm. into others' head. It takes hold and it takes action in order to defend its existence, um, which is like, if, you know, if you have a bad idea and someone questions it, like, oh, you know, can you prove to me, you know, that there's a God? People usually react quite defensively and aggressively mm. if, they, if that idea has really taken hold. And that... Um, yeah, like I say, it, it was an analogy, but it's a it's a really really good one. Mm. So much so that it's really it's really perfectly true. And the book is basically about schooling you to to develop your own vaccination and immunity yeah. to to bad ideas. And yeah, it was it was a really good book. I, I felt that it like uh, harked on um, a bit as religion being the main enemy because it's the largest uh, it's. It's the largest enemy, really, that concerns people believing stuff without evidence or believing stuff without reason. Mm. Um, and really, that's what he's trying to battle. Yeah, because he didn't bang on about religion at all in the podcast. No. Which surprised me when you gave me your feedback and said it was like quite uh, almost... Well, it, it gave religion a bit of a bashing. I mean, he was very careful not to bash religion, but that's mainly because there was a lot of linguistic ballet. But really, it, it, there's no escaping that, you know, the the enemy of rational thought is faith, and faith is 
mm. is painted to us to be a virtue and from from quite a young age or, or depending on different cultures faith is like oh you you see that as admirable you're like oh he's got wonderful faith but faith is actually really quite a uh, a damaging attribute it's not a, it's not a trait which uh builds um good logic or good reason once you once you're open to just believing something without reason it leaves you open to to mm. believing more which is again the analogy of having bad mind immunity yeah i understand that i would guess uh, to, uh i i do agree that but the it's play devil's advocate the i've used the example before but the guy who had a, who suffered a spinal cord injury and then because he's had faith uh, he was like, I'm a man of faith. This is all part of God's plan. Mm. He accepted his fate much quicker than the other patients around him. Were like, oh, why me? Why does it have to be me? You know, so I guess the other side of the coin would be, you know, that particular example. Well, it's all part of God's plan. I guess I guess this is this is just my new life now. So his response to that would be sort of like an absence to your own mind uh, and, to, and to your own life. If you're If you're believing that God is going to is going to do everything for you you know at what point do you do you stop you know do you still continue to to look as you cross the street again like we've mm-hmm. definitely referenced this parable before but you know the um the uh the 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 shipwrecked guy oh yeah who, no pl- please say it again um yeah there's a guy shipwrecked and winds up on a winds up on an island we've definitely said it on the podcast before but um and then a uh, a big steamer passes by like hey hey buddy do you need help he's like no 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 fear not god will save me <laughs> and then another steamer passes by and says the same and he's like no no god will save me and then uh he gets to um you know he dies obviously of salvation mm. gets to heaven and he's like hey god what the hell i've got so much faith uh, you know blind faith why didn't you save me he's like i sent you two steamers you fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love that i love that story mm. as well uh he he in the podcast they tell another story about uh the flat earther guy oh with, fred the flat earther yeah fred that's a brilliant earther. one and he says so he's been a flat earther his whole his whole life and he, you know, he dies, he goes up to heaven and he's like, right, God, give it to me. Is, is the, earth, the earth flat is then? Is the earth flat then? And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, face palm, but the earth's round. And he thinks for a minute, he's like, this conspiracy goes higher than I thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's... <laughs> but he uses that as an example of like where people are so ingrained in their beliefs, mm. they, it becomes part of their identity and yeah. there is no convincing them with logic or reason. Mm. Uh, even, you know, God himself would be like, oh... Yeah. This goes higher than I thought. Well, it, it's crazy, and that's a great example because it's not an unbelievable one. You can totally grasp it, and you can you can believe, or you can maybe even remember someone you've met uh, who has the tenacity of, of that sort of person. And it's interesting when you he also referenced another debate held by Christopher Hitchens and and I think a, a fundamentalist Christian. And towards the end of the debate, uh, um, one says to the other, "Well, what can I?" What can I tell you? What can I say that will change your mind? And his response is, well, nothing. Nothing will shake my faith in God. And at that point, the debate becomes void because you're like, there's no evidence that I can present to you that was going to change your mind. So you're you're holding this thought so tenaciously, irregardless of all logic and reason that, you know, what else are you subject to? And this is really important because it's, it's thought like this that cause you know terrorism huge acts of violence and Mm -hmm. people are believing something so firmly so tenaciously 
that they're willing to follow it word to word. And unfortunately, word to word, the Quran and the Bible are fucking not good reads, man. Mm. Like they, I'm sorry, they aren't. You know, you can easily find passages in the Bible that tell you to kill, you know, um, homosexuals or commit genocide. And and you're just doing this with blind faith. And that's that's the danger. And that's really the what the book is fighting, essentially. And, and, and while I don't like that it does a lot of pointing the finger at religion, it, it's not wrong. And, yeah, you yeah. know, there's ridiculous excerpts from the Bible, like, you know, getting... Abraham's like, hey, God's like, hey, Abraham, I want you to kill your son. And he's like, what, really? Are, are you are you sure? Because I can't look. No, I'm sure. Kill him. And Abraham goes and, and does it. And for, for all, you know, for all intensive purposes, he does. He doesn't actually because God stops him, thankfully. But um, but he's willing to just because God said so. Mm. And, and that translates so directly to fundamentalist terrorism of people, you know, blowing other people up because that's that's what the Quran or the Bible said. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mm. I have to say there's uh there's some ideas that people cling to uh and they're so wound up as part of their identity that they won't let them go and there's like I say there's no amount of logic or reason that mm. can separate them from these ideas. And what was really interesting point that he made was um about censorship, which is what we were talking about like freedom mm. of speech like where do you draw the line? Like the, someone has some bad ideas, for example, we, we cited Donald Trump and, you know, mm. whatever. Do you, do you allow these bad ideas to flourish uh, and take hold? He says, you know, a lie can get around the world faster than the truth can get its mm. shoes on, you know? And, yeah. you know, and then who does the censoring and, and uh, I don't. It, it, it's a. It's a bad. You know. Once you go down the road of censorship, mm. it doesn't lead anywhere good. So he says that this mental immunity, this guide to logical thinking and and rationalization and um, Socratic uh, reasoning, mm. uh, is is the way forward. And this mm. way of educating people is uh, is is the way forward. Mm. You know. Uh, and it it does echo the thoughts of a book that I read recently called The Demon Haunted World by mm. Carl Sagan, which is mm. very, very similar. Uh, um, and it was a book about scepticism and how to be sceptic. And ironically, it made me so sceptical of my own scepticism. It opened up my mind to new ideas because mm. I realized that I was bringing a lot of confirmation bias into mm. th- things that I was looking at. And the the language I was using around someone would bring me a new idea and I would just, I would rubbish it immediately yeah, and I would yeah. write it off without doing any research scoff. of my own. Yeah, and I would scoff. And, and that is not the way to treat bad ideas because mm. the person who has been scoffed at is going to double down on their belief on that idea. Mm. Then it, It's not... Uh, it's not a great way and of course you don't want to be taken advantage of by bad ideas but you don't want to embed them further into the other person's mm. mind well also on top of that not only are you you know poo-pooing the other person but you're also um you're you're you know putting on the situation your own tenacity of thought which is a scoff at the situation without research so mm. you're you're expressing closed-mindedness as well and Basically, the end of this book it, it did bring me round. It was a, it was a, it was a good listen, um, um, uh, but I didn't feel incredibly sold on it until I finished it up this morning, and I was understanding what it is to be open minded, 
And for example, your skepticism on, on one form, like, for example, some person says, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I don't know, um, you know, the, the, I don't know, what's a good example like, of something? Uh, for me, fa- like faith healing, like I've got a magical powers. Yeah. Uh... Okay, so I'm pretty sure that I went to this evangelical church, the the priest touched me on the head and um, he, he cured my X, Y, Z, or he can cure. And and then you being like, well, that's bullshit. Mm. is is an equally closed-minded thought and basically i feel that people want to express open mindedness open-mindedness and they do that by challenging the status quo mm. of like what most people believe or what is rational thought but when doing that they they find their own you know they find their own little cave to sit in with this thought and actually it's not open-mindedness it's just opposite-mindedness mm. and if you approach it with a scoff that's your closed-mindedness as well but if you approach it with inquiry mm. and and questions and and challenges but like respectful challenges that's exactly. that's true open-mindedness and i think that's that's once that's what we're aiming for. That's what he's aiming for. Um, and that's difficult because I know and I have experienced that if you do challenge someone who's got a belief, um, it, it's pretty immediate that mm. people get defensive and aggressive because you're challenging their beliefs. But if if beliefs or the thoughts or ideas don't stand up to, to scrutiny, then it just needs to be discussed out. Mm. And one of the things that I find interesting that I want to talk about now with you is... Because I think you know your thoughts on the previous podcast opposed it was uh, was the the idea of censorship and and who that who that lies with who that responsibility lies with um, and throughout this book it's very clear that Andy Norman uh, it, you know is a is a staunch advocate for you know he's anti racism anti homophobic and stuff like that and I think that's where censorship is allowed. Uh, so I, I I saw um, I saw an illustration re- recently and uh, it was really interesting. It said, "We can disagree on anything and still be friends, but that does not apply to racism, sexism, homophobia, or transphobia." And mm. I think that's I think that's absolutely fine. I really don't think that conversation needs to be continued. Like things need to remain in discussion, but I don't think this does. Like we've we've had that discussion. Mm. We've spent years having that discussion. You know, we have, we've had slavery. We've we've you know we've arrested um, homosexuals. Mm. That discussion's been had, and I think that is that's not. It's no longer necessary to keep it open. And I believe there is where the censorship realm line lies. Mm, potentially, uh, I mean, I don't necessarily agree. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but. I mean, for argument's sake, disagree with it. Hmm. Uh, so you want me to play devil's advocate here? Well, I actually, I want to want you to say your true thought. Uh, that that quote itself is is a quote I think that's born from from James Baldwin, who was a novelist and a, and a big black rights activist. And the actual quote that he gave years ago was, "We can disagree on anything unless it is rooted in my oppression or denial of my human rights." Yeah, I think that I I agree with that. Yeah. So, so that's basically like that other quote is just an evolution of that quote, essentially. And why would you not agree with it? Um, playing devil's advocate. Why would I? No, not no, agree? no. Like play yourself. What? Like, do you or do you not agree with it? Um, what was it? Racism, sex. Itself. So we can de- we can disagree on anything, and we can still be friends. But that does not apply 
to racism, sexism, homophobia or transphobia? Okay, so maybe sexism. Okay. Because expand. Well, uh, because. Or should we change that to gender equality? Yeah, gender equality. Gender equality. Oh, gen- okay, so gender equality. It's racism and gender equality. Well, no, I, I I agree with racism, but gender equality you could have a discussion about for sure. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, for example, because well, I don't know. I really I'm unprepared for this, but you you kind of you're. You're goading me into this argument, uh, like unarmed. I don't want you to disagree with it if you don't disagree. Unarmed, with it. but no, I think gender equality can be up for discussion. Why? Because there's so many broad strokes of the brush that you could. Uh, there's so many finer details that can't just be like you know. But but surely everyone should just be equal. Yes, but regardless. What does, but what does gender. that mean? Are you going to send women to war? Like well, wh- whatever they want. What. Um, equality yeah but everyone's idea of gender equality can be different okay discrimination then Uh, in what way I don't think it matters well like there is an argument that says uh, men get paid more than women um, and, and that statistic can be can be used but then it also like men generally work more than women they work more dangerous jobs than women uh they're but not in not when we're talking about the same job Perhaps... a woman and a man should get paid anyone should get paid the same amount of money for doing the same job surely yes i agree with that okay so that's equality that is equality but that's not what a lot of people attribute to equality they there's a lot of things that I, again, I'm unprepared for this, really, man, to be honest. I, I, I don't know the ins and outs mm. of it, but I think gender equality... Yeah, gender equality, of course I agree with gender equality, but a lot of people have different ideas what gender equality is, so I think that should still be on the table. Mm. There is a lot of... It's not, black, I think, it's I, not I, black and white. If, okay, it was, well, if it was black and white, like racism, <laughs> no pun intended, mm. is black and white, you know? like if no matter the, Why is it black? Why is Because it? no matter what the colour of your skin, you should be able to able to what have equal opportunities well that's exactly the same for gender well it's not different i yeah I, everyone yeah. everyone is a, like bottom line everyone is a person and everyone deserves equal opportunity whether that's black white male female or anything in between yeah but i mean okay so if you want full gender equality then you could have um you know, men fighting women in the UFC. Well, yeah, that's possible for sure. Well, I mean, a lot of people aren't going to agree with that. Well, that's up to them. Well, I'm just saying gender equality isn't as black and white as as racism. Just because, like, it doesn't make a difference because you could say that, you know, you could say lots of things around that area. It doesn't, it's opportunity. It's not, it's not like enforced. Well, then... You know, it's can, not going to... like a, a woman isn't going to be pegged against a man, just like a featherweight isn't going to be pegged against a, a heavyweight. It's it's the opportunity. Uh, but if, uh, if, if gender equality carried on and was ab- absolute and was for years, then who knows what women or men would be capable of given given the release of, like, oppression and, like, you know, cultural norms 
and conditioning of of literally thousands of years mm. if that was absent then you don't know if a woman would be able to fight a man of the same weight i mean of the same weight it's very can i ask plausible. you something now do you think that maybe you're bringing a little bit of bias into this argument because i'm bring, i'm sh- i'm sh- could you could you be wrong on this or could you be open to being wrong on this i'm definitely open to being wrong on this okay, for sure cool. yeah but i haven't been presented with uh, any such evidence to to make me feel that way. So there's many things I agree on, but the thing is with gender equality, it's not the same as as racism because, you know, regardless of the colour of your skin, it's different. But regardless of the, 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 the genetic makeup of your body, there there are differences, stark differences. You know, like, for example, a man can't bear a, a child, you know. Um, mm-hmm. a, a man, for example, could have... 2,000 children uh, a mm. woman could not you know what I mean yeah but like the the physical biological difference is not the point it's the it, like you said it yourself it's the opportunity so for example it, if you were to send uh, women into war you can't send anyone okay so well, and, and also this hypothetical question is sort of void because you know everything's done with dr- drones now and robot soldiers okay so if you're talking about back in the day we go back in the day when we're mm, fighting with so- no, swords no 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 I'm not happy with that why because this conversation is about now it's how we've evolved to now okay you know, well, if we're going back we... in the day we've got slaves as well American people are throwing Chinese people in caves and, and we're enslaving all black people can you let me finish my point no absolutely not I'm enraged okay well then, there you go. No, well, You've been infected with a mind parasite, obviously. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what that you is. You need to build up your mental immunity. Mm. And if you can break down my counter-argument, then please do. But you have to hear me out first. Sorry, please give it so to me. So imagine we're tribal and we're at war. And the... Again, I'm just riffing here. <laughs> um, and I'm playing devil's advocate, really. But at the same time, I do have a point. So we have uh, a camp and we've got women and children... And the other camp are coming at us. Uh, you know, there's a war, a tribal mm. war, and we have to, pe- you know, pick people to go and fight. Uh, do you pick the the this men who are who are strong, and the men who can, you know, if if a woman goes to war and dies, mm. and she can she can bear children, you know, like maybe five, ten in her lifetime. Yeah, mm. a man could have 2,000 children in his, in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm. you see where I'm going with this? Um, you're, you know, maybe this is an ignorant point of view, but you're probably more likely to win the war if you send the men because genetically they are, they're bigger and stronger. Mm. You know, if they send all their men and we send all our women, you, you, know, you know what I mean? What I'm saying is there's, mm-hmm. there's arguments for not exactly in inequality but but different roles for for, for genders you mm-hmm. know and, and I, th- I th- like I say I, I think it's a gray area and it shouldn't be taken off the table mm. uh, so I think uh, two things there one you're making a, a large assumption that the group of tribal people is is mainly made out of strong men and weaker women I think number one the blanket thing to to request is I need the strongest yeah and there needs to be equal opportunity. And you don't know what this makeup of of tribal people is made of. And maybe there is a majoritively strong female group. Maybe, you know, hypothetically, maybe they've been, you know, in a certain part of the land that has, has led the men to be malnourished and, and ill-equipped and 
untrained and maybe the women are well trained and very strong and have stronger for some reason in that case who's better that goes yeah in that case then send the strongest people for sure exactly so that's that's then equal opportunity excuse me you know tribes people with the strongest people please step forward we're going to send the strongest people to war yeah, sure. Okay. Let's so you keep the weak men and the weak women back to look after the children. Mm-hmm. You send the strongest people forward. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you know, do you think they would be majoritively male? It's a hypothetical question. Uh, but you know, if you had uh, well, to, if, if you we're had going to back in the day, then of course it would be men. But we're talking about now. Okay, but if so, even now, if you you know, if you had to pick. Where what where is this dem- demographic from? Well, it's a hypothetical question. You, I I'll pick a team of people to fight a team of people that you pick, yeah, <laughs> and we pick the strongest people. Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting caught up on the pernickety bits of this. No, but I'm just saying, if you had to put a bet down, would they be majoritively male or more majoritively female? It depends where you're picking them from. Morzine and Leger. men. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm saying is, all, so you, what what I'm saying is. Yes, I'm for gender equality, but there is a grey area there which you're not acknowledging, and I don't think it should be taken off the table. I think you're misunderstanding the term equality. I Exactly. So maybe I am, So which definitely shouldn't be taken off the table then. Mm. If we're having this discussion right now, mm-hmm. respectfully, between two friends, mm-hmm. then it should definitely not be taken off the table, which, why, which is why I think censorship is dangerous. Because mm. if you're like, well, you can talk about anything except this. Well, maybe I want to talk about that because mm. maybe I have differing views. And if I do have a differing view, then it's important that I'm able to express it. And if I'm wrong, you can tell me I'm wrong and I'll, I'm willing to change my mind. But if you force that view underground, mm. then that's where it takes roots in dark places. Mm, yeah, definitely. This is a this is a, an interesting subject. Uh, uh, I'm am definitely open to to being to being wrong about it, but I don't feel uh, I don't feel that that's the case right now. Mm, because of what your mental immunity, your mental antibodies are rushing to the, the defense. You know, if you take the book, for example, mm-hmm. that you've just read, mm-hmm. and me challenging your point of view as one of your core beliefs, your your mental bias is like, no, 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 gender, no, gender equality is off, is off the table. Mm. I'm challenging it. I'm not. I, I'm. The conversation isn't about taking it off the table necessarily. I mean, that's how it started. It, it, it developed around, around equality, and that's what I was. That's what I was defending. Mm. But equally, I was challenging your point of view. So you could say you could say the same about you. Yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is, if I did have an, an, a differing point of view, um, why? Would you want to take my view off the table? Be like, oh no, we can't discuss that. We've already we've already established that. I think. Um, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's a fantastic point, and yeah, absolutely okay. But like, what if you were disagreeing about racism? Well, then I still think, even if I was naive enough to think there was an inequality be- between races, it would it wouldn't be a strong enough argument to be like, no, 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 we've had that. That's off the table. It would be well. Let's talk about it. What? What is your point of view? I yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree that that is that is the way to to. Sorry, I interrupted you again. That is the way to to make ground, mm. and it, you need to you need to teach people that way. But I don't. And I, off the table is just a turn of phrase. It doesn't mean. It doesn't mean literally. It's not spoken about. But well, actually, Morgan Freeman said a long time ago. 
that how, how do you beat racism? He was like, just stop talking about it. Mm. Got quite quite angry with the interview. It was like, don't, don't ask me about it. Don't ask me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go back to the original quote that wasn't amended. Uh, so the one by James Baldwin. Yeah. We can disagree on anything unless it is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. I agree with that. The other, the modern one, the, the modernised version is, I disagree with. Yeah, okay, fair enough. We can disagree on anything and still be friends. Does not apply to racism, sexism or homophobia. What's funny about this quote is that, like, hypothetically, whoever wrote it, they could be on the other side. Like, we can disagree on anything and still be friends does not apply to racism. White people are obviously better. Sexism, men are obviously stronger. Homophobia, kill them all. And transphobia shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, exactly. So, but look, that's not the case. No, obviously, but that's it's my point. Up. So, by saying that if you disagree with those things, we can't be friends. Because, for example, I know you know maybe you've got an old grandparent who has some old beliefs, you know, and she still uses inappropriate words for people who have a different skin tone, or mm. you know, she you know calls gay people. I can't even think of a. Uh, I don't know, like. Some sort of I can't even think of a gay slur off the top of my faggot. Yeah, there you go, something like that. Um, and would you be like, well, now we can't be friends, Granny, because you've, you know, or would you be like, oh, you know what, you grew up in a different time, and you know, I could, we could debate this, or I could just let it slide. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I don't have anyone that I can pin that to, but. All I'm saying is if you have a loved one with some old-fashioned views, perhaps, you know, you don't have to not be friends if they disagree with that point of view. As long as they're not actively, again, oppressing your human rights, Mm. as long as they're not out on the street saying, you know, Mm. I don't know, waving a swastika, I think maybe you should, you you could let it slide. Mm. Mm. Possibly. Definitely would find it hard to be around. I have been in the situation and I, I... I've got an anecdote which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say on the podcast, but I'll tell no. you off there. Um, and it was gutted. You guys don't get to hear it. It was it was embarrassing for sure, mm. and um, it was yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to get into we'll details, but um, but yeah, I think I've I think this has been a really good decision. But, uh, sorry, a really good discussion because mm. I think I've possibly highlighted some flaws in your thinking mm. there um, mm. about things that could be on or off the table and also censorship as well um mm. and again but there is it's a very gray area because if someone's you know waving a swastika on a facebook video and and advocating violence against you know certain races then yeah i think perhaps censorship is appropriate mm. but then excuse me um when you start going down the road of censorship what becomes off the mm. table I yeah I understand and I think I I do agree at, uh, at certain levels and actually Andy Norman already on the podcast and in his book defends himself about um, against being labelled as the thought police and mm. I I thought to myself like wow if this is your you're already defending this without being attacked like you're defending on the podcast before anyone has said you're the thought police and you you you've got you know half a chapter dedicated to defending yourself around being the thought police. He does, however, do it very well, defend himself around being thought police. But also, yeah, he he, he uses multiple anecdotes and reference points to, to racism 
at, at that being and and homophobia at that being a a baseline mm. for um for what's morally morally right mm. and like moral rights are not the same as human rights and they're they're something to be held on to and I really don't think I think that we we are you know we've reached a moral intelligence um by where we can stand up and be like sorry mate you're you're wrong and 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 I'm right you should not discriminate against against people of a different race of course but you need to you can't just censor that person you know you have to have a discussion with that person yeah for the for the for the good of them yeah because that if you just censor that person again it's not going to make them change their mind mm, yeah absolutely in fact, it's going to probably, again, like I said, if you ridicule them, you know, you come across mm-hmm. like I did as a sceptic, mm. like, you know, you're an idiot, mate. Then yeah. that's not going to help them change their minds. That's going to root their, their, you know, belief even further. Mm. And um, yeah, I completely agree. And like that ignorance should be should be like lovingly taught away. I don't think I don't think it should be it should be silence. What I'm saying is it, it is black and white. Yeah, it's it's not up for discussion, but we are going to have a discussion, mm. and that's all we can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I think I think I think, I think we agree. But what I'm saying is, I, his his point, I believe. Again, I haven't read the book, I, but I listened to the podcast twice, and it was a three hour podcast. So uh, mm. I listened to it on two x speed, didn't mm. I? So. Uh, and if you're listening to this on one speed, then you may as well be listening in slow motion. <laughs> What are you doing? Speed it up to 1.5 at least. Oh, uh, yeah. Alex Newton uh, messaged me. He's like, 1.5 is way better. You guys sound sh- like wittier, sharper. Your comebacks are quicker. <laughs> really? It's brilliant. Yeah. And I was That's like, funny. yes, I know. <laughs> uh, a lot of people think that when you speed up to 1.5, we sound like chipmunks, but it's uh, the pitch is adjusted perfectly and you can ingest it much quicker. But then, of course, if you want to marinate in our soft, dulcet tones, then <laughs> feel free to yeah. listen. At a snail's pace. <laughs> but I like to consume all my media super quickly. It kind of annoys you, doesn't it? A little bit sometimes. And I, you hear me listening to a YouTube video on 2x speed and you're like, what are you doing? No. It's like, does it not? No. Well, when I want to show you something, I have to slow it down. Well, no, that's not true. I listen to it on 1.5 or 2 as well. Okay. Oh, but it was when Katie was here. Katie definitely does not like it when I speed things up. Mm. But Katie likes things, likes things slow, ev- everything. <laughs> everything's like like wonderfully conscious slowly and carefully yeah. um, but yeah. I, I mean I do sometimes listen to my book in bed at 1.5 but if I want Katie to to listen to it too I'll listen to it at 1 is it annoying? Mm, slightly no no, no? no. Oh, well it depends who it is it's annoying it's annoying for me when, when I I remember when we watched that John Oliver video and I was like guys it's it's 25 minutes long can we can we at least watch it on 1.25 speed? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, God, I've already seen half of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so annoying. Yeah, you do but I suppose that, you know, it was on the big screen, on the big telly, and, yeah. you know, listening to stuff in my headphones, I can speed stuff up. But yeah. anyway, um, critical thinking, rational thinking, challenging your own beliefs. Uh, I, I wanted to, I did want to move away from this, but I don't feel we're, we're quite finished on it, actually, because I wanted to talk about political leaning. And I've been someone who has been a bit of a lefty in the past, mm-hmm. but I feel like I don't really want to identify 
uh, as a lefty because of because I, it was something that brought that was brought up on the podcast, and it's not mm. like I'm going mad conservative or anything, but mm. I think uh, I'd rather live in a meritocracy, you know, like where mm. ideas mm. I can identify with ideas mm. rather than just a collaborative group mm. of ideas, mm. which I can agree with maybe a lot of mm. more than another set of ideas on another political leaning mm. but i don't want to be lobbed in with like you know oh mm. you're a liberal mm. and you believe all the things that liberal believes mm-hmm. uh you know i don't want to be super woke or mm. you know i just want to individual ideas i agree with that i agree with that even though that is um you know on a on a conservative side mm. or you know something a person i disagree with that particular idea that that guy's got isn't too bad mm. and i you know that's what I mean. So, do you see where I'm going with this? Completely. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And I think, like again, we we spoke about this last time, but the polarization is just too, too strong mm. now. And if you actually listen and read the, you know, the conservative policies and the Labour policies, and take the best out of both, you know, they've got plenty. Mm. Both of them have got plenty admirable and amicable um, traits. Um, that we shouldn't get attached to, but you can you can agree on. But like the whole political system is is broke, and you know, I mean, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't think it's worth engaging in it. And as soon as you label yourself as a lefty, you, you people people understand you to be you know the far left, and they're like, oh well, what about this X Y and Z? And you're like, mm. well, actually, you know, fuck it, I'm not left. I just I'm just a I'm just a guy, I'm yeah. just a person. And some some people have got some good ideas, and some people have got some some bad ideas. But I certainly don't think any of those people up there from Eton should be should be running things because because they're um, yeah. I think I think they're the, not good. They're not the politicals not doing. Sorry. I mean, obviously, sorry. I'm I'm, I'm stating the obvious here, but the, so the current political system that we live in is is, is massively broken and. Mm. and you know, especially when you change every four years, you know, you mm. can't really have a, a, a very strong platform to make any significant change. You know, when you're constantly debating, and we spoke about this before, again, if politicians were to use this uh, mental immunity mm. uh, and break down their own, you know, rigid ide- ideas and, you know, maybe steel man each other's arguments mm. and come to some sort of middle ground perhaps we could actually make progress mm. rather than back and forth back and forth and, mm. and nothing really changes you know like if i elected a, or if i voted for a leader and i only agree with 50% of his policies and mm. i know really that like nothing's really going to change that much then mm. why would i even bother voting like mm. why would i not just be overcome with apathy and be like oh well mm. it's not really going to make that much difference anyway why bother? Mm. And that's why a lot of people don't vote, you know? They don't really believe that their vote is going to make that much of a difference. Mm. I mean, Donald Trump was inflammatory. He was... He did some... He was obviously easy to mock. You know, it was mm. great to have him on the news and be like, oh, look what an idiot he is. Mm. But, like, he had some decent policies. He did have some ridiculous policies as well. Mm. He was a bit of a buffoon. But I mean... Yeah, sorry, carry on. But, I mean, you know, if you took policy, you know, some ideas he had weren't massively ridiculous. Again, a lot of them are. Mm. But then the some sun I- shines on even a dog's ass some days. Yeah, and Barack Obama, 
I mean, God, I love the guy. He was charming. He was awesome. Mm. But, you know, like he bombed a lot of people in mm. the Middle East, you know. Mm. And he, But, of course, he was wonderful. Like his skin color was delightful. He spoke very eloquently. He was very, very charming. But all the while, you know, drone strikes were increasing across the Middle East. There were there was bombing. There were, you know, the military industrial complex, the cogs were turning. You know, no real systemic political change was happening. He was just mm. palatable. You know, mm-hmm. and I just feel like I don't know. I think yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm stating the obvious. Politics mm. is broken. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah. Skepticism, the demon haunted world, a book that made me less skeptical and more open minded, and realised that I was bringing my own bias into situations. And I think the discussion that we've just had here was really good because, mm. like, obviously you were bringing in a little bit of bias, which perhaps you hadn't realised, and mm. we had a very good discussion. I think so, yeah, yeah, it was helpful. I would definitely recommend the book, for sure, mm. and and even even if it's not the book, the podcast, so, yeah. I'd... Oh, definitely listen to the podcast. It was mm. very, very eye-opening. It was a lot of things... It was actually a lot more coherent than our conversation that we just had here. Mm. Much better podcast. Go, what are you listen to us chumps for? Go listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that all the time anyway. Mm, absolutely. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. No, I think that, that, that that's it. That's all for me. Uh, I did want to talk about, uh, we got a few minutes left. I wanted to talk about the comfort zone. And... I want to save it for another one? This no. Is a good, this is a good roundup. No, I want to. I want to. I want to go on. I want to get into it. Right. Um, I was thinking recently about the comfort zone, and it stemmed from the what happened last week at your birthday brunch. You know, when I was like, "Oh, I've never been to Rosie's house before," and I was like, yeah. and "Just mm. that little bit of just going to someone's house for the first time expanded my comfort zone quite a lot." And so that, you know, being going somewhere for the first time in a wheelchair can be really daunting because, you know, like, oh, you know, are there stairs? Yes, there are stairs. Are there people there that can carry me up the stairs? Yes, there are. But, you know, can I get to the bathroom? Benji scoped it out, but he's not in a wheelchair. He says, oh, it'll, everything will be fine. But, you know, how many people are going to be there? Is, am I going to be able to wheel everywhere? Like, am I going to be uncomfortable? You know, mm. there are all these little things that you run through, like this mental checklist, which are just um, daunting. Mm. Of course, you go there. And all of a sudden, your comfort zone has widened that light, that little, little bit. Mm. And it occurred to me recently, uh, looking back on my injury of becoming a paraplegic and becoming a wheelchair user, just how far I've come. And all these little wins, like outside the rehab centre, was so daunting for me. Like the outside mm. world was terrible. Inside the rehab centre, mm. all the f- surfaces were flat. I could wheel around in my wheelchair and, you know, everywhere was, you know, I could just pull a cord and someone would come and help me and I you know the outside world was so incredibly scary and yet looking back on the last two years I realized just how far I've come and how far my comfort zone has grown like I can drive I can go to the supermarket I can live on my own I can do all sorts of things on my own you know there is it's still obviously a lot smaller than it was you know post in pre-injury but it's still a lot bigger than it was, you know, mm. when my hospital bed was my yeah. comfort zone. And then it was the bathroom. Mm. And then it was the corridor. And now it's, you know, it's got so much bigger. Yeah. And I wanted to end on, because I heard a really great quote recently. And it said, um, people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. 
And I thought that really stuck with me because I just thought, wow, yeah. I mean, there was times when I just didn't know what the hell I was going to do, mm. you know, when I got out of the rehab center and look how far I've come. And mm. it's only been two years. Like what is possible in the next eight years? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm really, really keen actually to get you back on the slopes this winter. And, mm. and fair, um, interestingly enough, I often get... Uh, videos of, of wheelchair users maybe it's because we live together now and mm. the, the algorithm doesn't know which uh, <laughs> um, which one of us is in a wheelchair which IP address is uh, <laughs> which IP address it's sending all the wheelchair videos to but I get a lot um, at the moment and I'm like oh this, you know you're an extreme sports guy at you, or you used to be at least like there's not much stopping you from beca- like you know revisiting that from from a different perspective and and that excites me and obviously I don't want to like push it on you too too much or too fast but I definitely do want to encourage and support you you know getting a bit gnarly in your wheels like you're, yeah. and and you're doing it yourself like you know just before your birthday in a few weeks you're you're going on that like um mm. mountain bike kayak whitewater rafting excursion mm. um which is going to be so awesome man I'm so confident that you're going to incredible time I'm really glad you brought that up actually because uh, that's something I've been procrastinating about and that's another thing I wanted to talk about really is procrastination and how I suffer from it so badly Mm. and I feel resistance towards things that are most important and I find myself if I've got like a a a story to write or a, a song to write or I wrote you a song, didn't I? Well, yeah, hey, we never you that did. Up. I you wrote didn't. you a birthday oh, no. song. Yeah, that was a great song. That was yeah. really lovely. And I yeah. procrastinated about that so much mm. because I was like frantically trying to write your song, which was your present, mm. but all you actually wanted was my presence, mm. you know, and I should have just been, you know, I should have just been more relaxed about it, but I finally got around to doing it. But my point is, I, the things that I feel the most resistance towards are usually the things that are... Um, the most important things to do. Mm. And I felt extreme resistance towards this handy sport event, which I finally did it. I finally signed mm. up because the guy was like, you know, the deadline's tomorrow to sign up, right? And I was like, oh God, okay. Uh, mm. And I just like did it. And then I got this wonderful email. I got it today, actually. And I haven't mm. told you about it yet. But he was just like, oh, it's going to be wonderful. You go there on the Friday. And it was, it was all in English because mm. I was so, so scared of the language barrier, even though, again, like my French is better than... Once I get, you know, the ball rolling, like, mm. or the tongue rolling, mm. you know, it, it, it starts to get better. And it's just such a wonderful opportunity. I don't know why I was procrastinating about it so much. But I got this wonderful email saying, oh, and the cherry on the top will be that it's your birthday as well. We'll be doing this. We'll be doing that. We'll be, do-. And I was just like, oh, this sounds so good. I can't believe mm. I almost didn't do it out of fear. Yeah. And again, that's another thing that's going to expand my comfort zone even more. I'm going to integrate with uh, the disabled community, get to know other wheelchair users, improve my French skills. And again, this is, you know, imagine what I can do in two, three, four, ten years Mm. from now. Like maybe I'll be fluent in French. Maybe I'll have loads of wheelchair friends. Maybe I'll be on a basketball team or Mm. anything, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. But I'm not going to get anywhere when I'm just like, I'm too scared to do anything. But uh yeah. At the same time, it's Explore, scary. Expand. It's scary being in a wheelchair. Mm. But yeah, I have found a way that I that to help me um, with my procrastination, and that it sounds really simple. But just to start a task, mm. just yeah. start it. The simple act of like, okay, I'm going to write a song. I'm going to open up my iPad, and I'm just going to start writing. And even if you know yeah. to be good at anything, first you've got to suck at it, right? Yeah. So the first few lines of the song 
were awful, yeah. you know, and I, you know, but I, I, I've got the ball rolling and, mm. and yeah. So if you're suffering yeah. from procrastination, just start it. Mm. Just start whatever task you're feeling Good resistance advice. to. Yeah. I mean, pretty obvious. Well, oh, really? Just start? Do you know how hard it is to start when you're a procrastinator? <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Thanks, Mr. Obvious. Yeah. I got a similar piece of advice from uh, from uh, a book by Susan Blackmore when I started learning to meditate. And it was just, just sit down on the mat for, mm. for 30 seconds. You can always sit down for 30 seconds. And that was a fantastic piece of advice because it's quite difficult a lot of the time to be like, oh, I haven't got half an hour. I haven't, got, I haven't got that much time to sit mm. down and do that. But if you sit down on the mat, you will find, you're like, all right, I'm just going to sit down for 10 seconds. And if you find that you can sit down for 10 seconds, you will often find that you don't get up after 10 seconds, mm. which is effective. That's great advice as well. Like I read a book many years ago, which uh, changed my life quite a bit. And it was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And the core belief in this book was was basically... Anytime you do anything new, you will always feel fear. The only way to make the fear go away is to just do the thing that you're scared of. Like if you're waiting for the fear to go away, you'll never do it. And I was like, oh. And she was like, this applies to every anyone who's ever done anything. Mm. Anyone. They were all scared when they when they did something for the first time. But they did it anyway. And now they're not scared. And man, you look back on your life and be like, oh yeah, fuck. I was scared of so many things. And I did them anyway, and this is how far I've come. So, anyway, enough of regurgitating cheesy self-help books. Mm. Uh, That'll do, won't it? Through the lens of a wheelchair user. I've got to, you know, you know, Tarot and Emma are coming around soon. We're going to play Risk. I've got to get ready. Okay, well, do you want to end on a joke to nourish our listeners? I think that was a nourishing enough end, man. Oh, I want to end on a joke. Better be a good one. Okay, you better give me a nice little... Uh, Curtsy laugh. All right. No, but... There you go. I was just practicing. Okay. okay. Well, um, how do you turn a duck into an old soul singer? You what? put it in the microwave until its bill withers. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. It's good, isn't it? Because yeah, you get the good. idea of the duck. Don't explain it. Don't ruin it. Thanks again for uh, lending us your ears. Yeah, see you in the next one. And follow us on Instagram. Take it easy.